Welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show. It's typically at this point that Justin has jumped in with something pithy, but he hasn't really done this in a while. So we're just going to kind of roll in like normal. Welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show. My name is Zach Adams. I pastor a church located just outside of Athens, Georgia. I'm still waiting for something to come, but it's just, it's just, it's lagging. It's because it's, we're just my, gonna, my change of seats has, has, has really it's thrown, thrown me off, you off. It's I completely used to it. Once I get used to it, then, then it'll come. Then, then it'll come. Anyway, so I pastor a church located just outside of Athens, Georgia. The name of the church is Calvary 316. If you're local, come check us out one Sunday morning at 1030. If you're not local but looking for a good church, you can watch online. Calvary316.live is the quick link to our YouTube channel. Joined, as always, in studio by the man that needs no introduction, Mr. Hello. Creighton Ball. How are you? I'm doing well. Hello, everybody out there. Welcome to the Outlaw Radio So show. very quickly, explain how this show works. Um, it's a mess. It doesn't, but what we try to do <laughs> confidence is that I try and bring a, co- a topic for the, you know, Zach will make a Bible study out of it. He doesn't know what the topic is yet. Um, and then we'll have a conversation about it. So I bring a topic. They don't know what it is. And then we talk about that topic. Um, Zach will make a Bible study out of it. If it's that kind of topic, it kind of depends. Um, and then I am also watching the comments on both YouTube and Facebook, so if you have a question, comment, or concern about what we're talking about, you can put it there, and I'll respond to it um, you know, in real time. Might bring it up on the show. Depends on if it pertains to the conversation. Um, we also now have a text line, the number of which I do not have offhand. 678-883-3316. You hear it here first. Um, I'll put that in the comment as well. Uh, so if you guys want that, you can text us, and Justin will be watching that. Yeah, and we're still kind of working on on some of the particulars. We had a, a little bit of a glitch last week. We're trying to kind of hammer out uh, how all of that operates. So you can join the conversation online. That's kind of the whole point of this. Again, by commenting on YouTube or the Facebook uh, threads. Um, also joined in studio by two regulars, Spice Daddy. How you doing, buddy? Pretty good. Pretty good. I know that the change of seat scenery has thrown you off your game a little new year new me i guess new year new you same hoodie yep absolutely also joined by football mom Um, thank you you have to kind of lean up to show the 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 sweat yeah there There you you go go. yep perfect that might be that might be we got spice daddy and football mom you might be football mom that might be your honestly i think it's more fitting than than oregon dexter (laughs) even though i I do have a good bit of oregon in me um you don't have a lot of dexter other than just your looks yeah no i i appreciate that haven't killed anybody yet football mom that might be a good (laughs) we we might roll with that crate what do you think i like football mom yeah yeah got deal daddy Derek. we got uh dear daddy Yep. We've got Spice Daddy and we've got Football Mom. Football Mom. <laughs> right. When you say them in a row Fitting like right that, in. it's way weirder. It is. And then we've got Pope Creighton. That's me. That's you. That's Beautiful. also. Also joined in studio, uh, kind of a little wrinkle into what we're doing here. Uh, we've got two of our buddies that are being audience members tonight. We've got uh, Mr. Aaron Mott, who is on the show from time to time. Uh, also, Deal Daddy. Uh, didn't want to be in the fourth chair tonight, wanted to just hang out. So he's lounging. In the, uh, in the chair, one of the things that we have done is we have, um, they're not on camera, so the audience is not on camera, but we have equipped them with microphones. And so if they, you guys are actually unmuted. What up, what up, what up, <laughs> okay. what up. Yeah, just, yeah that just made it really. <laughs> yeah, so they were weird and mysterious, ear. deal daddy. The deal daddy. So yeah, we're going to mute them. We're, we'll leave From the, the mic. Yep, they're <laughs> now, muted. now. <laughs> uh, now muted. Now uh, muted. <laughs> but you guys feel free. As the conversation unfolds, um, to interject um, 
at any point, ask your own questions, whatnot. I want to open <coughs> by just uh, had kind of a really crazy conversation today. It ended up lasting like an hour and a half. Um, just a bizarre phone conversation, um, just out of the blue. Creighton, you don't know anything about this, actually, which is which is fascinating. And scary. Always scary. Always scary. So on New Year's Day, I got this. I'm, I'm, we're over at my parents' house. The whole family's over watching football, uh, eating, having a good time. I get this email from this random guy I've never met who lives in Arizona. His name's Brian. I'll leave his last name out. Who sends me this this honestly kind of a bizarre email about um, a conversation that, that had happened. He couldn't believe it. Had to find out who I was. Did some 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 snooping around the internet. Wants to talk to me that we have a similar COVID story. And uh, and so today I happened to we set up a, a phone call. I talked to him today. We talked for an hour and a half. Uh, I was so blessed. Totally like like he he and I have both gotten the you know from the medical profession. You know you are a one of one. You know nobody with forty two oxygen survived. Um, like there's nobody else like you. Um, you're really a miracle. He he almost has. It's different. He was about four months before me. Um, a little older than I am, uh, but almost almost an identical story. Um, in fact, there's some aspects of my story that were worse than his, but some parts of his that were worse than mine. And um, but but what's crazy is so um, a friend of his was on an airplane flight and was sitting next to a guy, um, just didn't know him, and happened to um, have. His, his phone open and was doing like one of the Bible reading apps or whatever. So the guy sitting next to him was like, oh, that's very cool. You know, what app are you using? So they had this conversation. Well, their conversation, again, on an airplane, somehow got into COVID and COVID miracles. And, and this guy was like, hey, I just, uh, I just heard this radical story of this Calvary Chapel pastor um, that survived COVID. My story, relayed my story. Uh, to this guy. And this guy was like, I know this guy named Brian also total miracle. So they exchange stories. So both of our names get brought up in, in this random aisle on a domestic flight and his buddy got home. They were hanging out for new year's. and was like, Hey, there's another one of you out there. This guy's story's crazy. You need to look him up. So I guess at the new year's party, he pulled out his phone, searched my name, read a couple of the articles that he could find, watched a little bit and, and was like, I've got, I've got to, I've got to talk to him. So where you're telling me is you're not so special anymore. No, I, there's two of us. <laughs> this is exactly yeah. what I'm saying. There's two of us, but no, man, it was such, it was such a wonderful, um, it was, it was such a blessing. It was such That's a great wild. conversation. And, um, it was really one of those for the first time for me anyway, you know, there were certain, certain components of my story where, um, like I didn't have to articulate certain things. Like he totally, you want to talk about dreams? Um, some of the spiritual component, like waking up, not being able to talk, uh, the isolation. Did he had, he had like a demonic interaction in his, in his, in his room where he was like, I know I'm awake and it was a demon and he was threatening to kill my family. And, um, and he's gone back to the hospital since he had more therapy. He had two years worth of therapy. Um, he had more, he's the only person I've met that had more physical therapy, occupational therapy, 
uh, to get his faculties back th- than I did. Um, but like went back to the hospital room and, and, and like therapy and like prayed over the room, uh, to, 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 to bind the enemy, uh, from this space. Like it, it's just a crazy story was so, so cool. So encouraging. He told me, and, and, and this is something I, I really am still chewing on, you know, because you get to this point. So I'm two years out and Jessica and I are kind of over it in the sense of like, just talking about it, um, bringing it up. Um, I, I had the opportunity in December to go share my testimony, but I kind of feel like that probably will be the last time, you know, I, I really publicly talk about it. Yeah. You know, I'm meeting people now that have no idea I was, I was ever sick. Mm-hmm. You know, you just, you just time moves on and, and, and things happen. And, um, he said, Zach, never forget it. This is your testimony, but it's not your destiny. And that mm-hmm. this was just, this was one, this was one off ramp on a long journey. And, um, but this, this doesn't define you. This isn't, this isn't your story. You have a much bigger story than this. I just was so encouraged by that. And just by that perspective, you know, Hey, it's part of you, but it's not you. It's not your identity. And, um, I want to, I want to plug, he's got a ministry, um, that I think is super cool. They're actually sponsored by Google and you said it was a ministry. It's a ministry sponsored by Google, meaning that if, if you go and do certain if you do certain keyword searches, Google will make this come up into the algorithm. Like if you're su- searching to, to kill yourself mm. or you're searching for ways to commit suicide, um, et cetera, Google will propagate this website into that, that page. Um, As opposed to just giving you the, the ways to kill yourself. Asking. Yeah. Uh, the, the ministry is death to life. Um, it's death. The number two life.com. And, um, and again, it's, it's not, you know, they pray for people. Um, they're not, um, what's the right way to say it? They're Christian. Like, in fact, the, the guy from corn, uh, has shares his testimony on the website. Um, you know, there's a bunch of people. So, so you can call this and get counseling. Um, anyway, I thought it was such a nice. cool, uh, I haven't done a ton of research into it. This literally, I got off the phone with this guy at like six o'clock tonight, but it's, um, again, death to life.com death to the number two life.com. And so if you know of somebody that's, that's in a tough spot, you know, somebody that's struggling with, with dark thoughts, um, this might be a great resource uh, to pass along. Um, and especially it's kind of geared towards teens to adolescents, um, younger people, but I think it's probably still relevant uh, for, for anyone. So again, yeah, bro- with uh, a conversation with Brian head Welch, who's from corn. Um, is on there and, and a bunch of, bunch of other people. So yeah, check that out again, death to life, uh, com. but just one of those, uh, kind of divine appointments. If I hadn't gone through what I went through and if he hadn't gone through what he went through, we, like we would have never ever connected. Um, so it's just kind of one of those redeeming conversations that for me was, was very meaningful and kind of made an impact today. So Creighton, you have a topic. I do have a topic. <clears throat> Before we get there, though, we have a couple of comments from uh, longtime friends of the show. Miss Ann says good evening. Everyone say hi, Miss Ann. Hi, Miss Ann. Hello, Miss Ann. Um, and then Jennifer also says hello. Uh, she also says that she enjoyed the sermon on Sunday, which I have not personally watched yet because I was teaching youth, but I am excited about. Shame on you, Creighton. Hello, I know. I'm, I'm getting there. I'm, it's, been a, it's been a week. Um, so, topic this week. Um, comes from Robert, who we've had on the show before. Um, good friend of ours, goes to our church. Um, 
He wants to know, he, so the way he asked, he texted me this. He asked if we had ever done an episode on discipleship because it's something that he's interested in in terms of, so I'd just like to hear, hear your thoughts on, A, what discipleship means on a Christian point of view. Um, what is discipleship? Um, is there, the way that he put it was, um, lately we want you to know more about it, how to be equipped, can you train in a sense, how to study the Bible in depth with the intent on being able to speak to others about it? Um, and is there a practical way to increase boldness? Okay, well, but while I begin to formulate some thoughts here, uh, Justin, do me a favor and pull up the story. Um, I want to say it's in Mark. I, it's probably in two different places. Uh, but the specific story of Jesus walking on water and Peter getting out of the boat. If you could pull up that that text, I'm going to refer to it in, in a few minutes. Um, before I guess I, I dive in deep, Creighton, do you have any any introductory thoughts you want to share about it? Um, just if you are, like, if you're a new Christian and you are worried about not knowing things, don't be worried about not knowing things. But the fact that you're worried about not knowing things is awesome. Yeah, no. Because like that hunger is going to drive you to all kinds of things that are great. There are, um, there are no, I, I heard this today. I thought this was, was, was brilliant. There are no, um, you should never be afraid of questions without answers, but you should fear answers. You can't question. Mm. And I think that that's such kind of a profound thought. Where did you hear that? Um, I heard that on a podcast today. Okay. I feel like I heard that exact same thing recently. I'm trying to think of where it was, but yeah, I'll tell you off air. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to promote the podcast. Gotcha. It wasn't We're not trying to promote the competition. It wasn't a Christian podcast, but, um, <laughs> but no, it just, again, it was, it was in the context of, of science. Yeah. Um, it was the, the, the quote was in the, the context of, of things that, um, you know, the scientific community, there's a consensus, which means you can't question. And his, his point was like, never be afraid of questions that don't have answers, but definitely fear uh, answers that you can't question. Absolutely. And, and, you know, cause that's the essence of science. And I think that's also the essence of theology and that's the essence of life. Um, we're all on a quest for more truth um, and more understanding and beyond understanding and knowledge, even just then wisdom, just the application of it um, is all, is all super important. Um, so the word discipleship, you know, it's, it's kind of a loaded term. Um, it's in some regards, kind of an unbiblical term, um, discipleship. You're not going to find the word discipleship in the scriptures. Um, pretty sure you'll find fellowship, you know, which is simply defined as two fellows in a ship. Um, discipleship, um, I guess you could call it two disciples in a ship. Um, but it, there's not like a chapter um, on discipleship. Um, you can, you can throw, it's kind of a Christianese term discipleship. Um, an, another variation would be discipleship, uh, not discipleship, but, uh, accountability partners, you know, like mm -hmm. you've heard, like I'm in my, my accountability group, you know, my small group, um, you know, we hold each other accountable. It's like, again, that's, there's not like a, like a biblical chapter or even prolonged dissertation about that idea. Now there is the idea of a disciple. That's, that is a predominant concept. Uh, within the Gospels, uh, in particular, um, you had Jesus and his 12 disciples um, before they became apostles. Um, the distinction between the two words is an important one. Uh, apostle will later become more of a title 
uh, designation. They were the 12 apostles, uh, capital A apostles. They held like a distinct um, uh, role or office within the early church. Um, but there were more than just 12 apostles, little a apostle, just meaning sent one. So anybody that's been sent is an apostle in that context. Um, the word discipleship. So they were disciples before they were apostles, uh, simply means student or learner to be a disciple means that you were a learner or a student. That that's a basic understanding of the idea and in, in its, in its broadest category. It should be noted. However, again, just for, for giggles that when you run across the, the title disciple um, within the new Testament context and, and particularly within the context of Jesus and his disciples, uh, that these were not just, um, it was not just a descriptive term in the sense they were learners or, or they were students because obviously there were way more than just them that were disciples. In fact, we, we references of 20 disciples that get sent out for practical ministry. But the word disciple within that context uh, was was much more of an official designation. Like there was an official classification if you were a disciple. Just no one, not just everyone was a disciple of Jesus and it's um, official context. There were disciples, but not a disciple. Don't you if, see that with like John the Baptist or uh, Paul was a was a disciple of uh, Gamaliel. Gamaliel. C- correct. Uh, and then you had, you had some of the early disciples of Jesus were disciples of John. Mm-hmm. Again, there is a, the word disciple, there's a, an official designation or classification of the individual. Uh, and then to understand what that looked like, and I think the, the applications of this and, and where the conversation will go, so you kind of have to have at least some basic understanding Um, of how the educational system worked in first century Jewish culture. Um, Women were not given educational opportunities. It's interesting. Jesus had some female disciples, but um, women were, were not allowed to go to the synagogue. Um, They they weren't given the the official teachings from Torah um, or the Mishnah. They they weren't provided like the formal educational opportunities that, that, that women are, afforded today is that sorry i don't no, want to no, cut you off there no. but is that biblical in a in a sense like from the old testament that women weren't allowed in the church or is that no i would say it's it's more of a cultural thing versus like the law okay um again from the old testament context even up into um first century judaism jewish culture is women um again god created women distinctly different, but equal, mm-hmm. um, but different in role. Um, it was the job of the man to provide. It was the job of the woman to take care of the home, to raise children. Uh, there was a high priority on that family structure and the rearing of children and the taking care of the home. Um, women, as a result, there was no need for formal education. Um, they were born into an immediate apprenticeship. Um, they learned from their mother um, how to tend to a home so that when they had the opportunity to get married and have their own kids and have their own home, they were prepared uh, and ready for that from cooking to cleaning to just the basic. And again, you, you had, they were nurses and doctors. I mean, they, they didn't have quite the, um, the resources that we have today. A, a woman played a significantly important role um, within the family structure, but then by and large, just within the community, cause you didn't have, you know, 
a local clinic that you could take the broken arm to. You know, a woman had to know how to do these things, had, had to stitch up a wound. You know, there were so many more things that um, that fell down to oh, the woman's responsibility. Uh, the, the, the the reading, writing, civic responsibilities, etc. You know, men from, from sunup to sundown had to work um, just to provide for food. Um, a woman played a significant role in the, in the culture. So there was no point in formal education because it was an immediate apprenticeship. Little boys were, were, were sent to synagogue for education. The education basically, at least in its early iterations, was memorization. It, 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 there was so much dependent upon memorization skills as kind of the, uh, the indicator of IQ uh, and, and intellectual acumen. So let's just say, um, you know, all the five-year-olds, you know, start going to synagogue, you know, and so they would go and there would be a local rabbi or at least um, some type of a, of a teacher, one of the elders of the community. And it would be that the kids would be memorizing uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They'd be memorizing the law. Now, obviously, it doesn't take very long, you know, to, to start noticing which kids have the chops and which kids just don't, just don't, like, this is not, this is not their thing. This is not, this more formal education is going to be kind of a waste of time for this child. Again, not in a negative context, but just like, hey, it would be more beneficial for you to, instead of spending your time trying to memorize something that you're going to have a hard time with, you should invest your time, energy, and effort into, again, apprenticing with your father learning a trade, something that's practical. You know, again, we, we look at, we look at our society that we should have way more practical trade. Like we're, we're tell you that would have been me. That would, would not have been memorizing. anything. <laughs> right. So, so you ended up, you know, just like that first wave of education, you know, some kids just didn't, didn't muster it. And oh. so they would, they would be dismissed and they would go to learn their father's trade. Probably learn the most business. kids at that point. Most kids. Mm-hmm. Well, second phase. So you did have kids that excelled. And so they would go to like the second higher part of, of learning where they're now memorizing the prophets and they're me- memorizing huge sections of Proverbs and Psalms, the poetic books. Um, again, the kids that um, are really good at it, that the cream rises to the top, the cream of the crop, the cream of the crop. And then, and then you have kids that just, you know, aren't able to really um, excel beyond what they already could. They, they, they reach a ceiling. And so those kids at that point, are encouraged to go learn a trade, etc. Now there there were instances where again there are things that happen outside of your control. Uh, your father dies and you're the firstborn. Well, it doesn't matter how smart you are, um, you're you're going to have to leave formal education to go provide for your family. Hence, why we see Jesus is the carpenter of Nazareth. Um, why? Well, Joseph was a carpenter, and it seems very likely that at some point between the age of twelve and thirty. Joseph passes away requiring Jesus to leave probably official formal education to become a carpenter to provide for his mother and, and his siblings. Well, I think you see aspects of that even today in Jewish culture with the what's called the bar mitzvah, where they have to stand up on usually the 13th birthday is what's been established now and basically quote the first five books of the Bible, the Torah. So if you weren't able to muster it, you would go and you would learn your father's trade or uncle or, you know, somebody within the family, whatever family business, you know, something practical. So you could have a family and a wife and and, and a home. 
But the kids that really excelled, once you got to a certain certain point where your local synagogue could no longer really facilitate higher learning, there were rabbis, accepted, known rabbis throughout Israel. These were the scholars of the day. These were the, the smartest, the brightest. You would think of them today in, a, in maybe the context of the professors. Well, once you reached a certain threshold of learning, you would then go and interview with a rabbi. That rabbi you would sit down with would ask you questions. There would be an interview. You would ask questions. There would be answers. There would be a give and take. Again, the rabbi is, is, an, is evaluating whether or not this, this person can do what they do. If the rabbi reaches the conclusion at this point that, you know what, this kid has it. I like his thought process. I think, I think that this is the right, the right kid. Literally, in that culture, there would be, uh, the rabbi would say, hey, come follow me. It was a, an official invitation for that person to become a formal disciple of the rabbi. It was the rabbi saying to the young man, hey, you can do what I do. And I'm going to invest myself into you. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to train you. Uh, you're going to be my student, my learner, my disciple. And so, again, the invitation in the culture would be, come follow me. And what would they do? They would come and follow Je- f- you know, follow the rabbi. Or in the case of the disciples, they would come follow Jesus, which then, again, gives a whole different context to what's happening when Jesus is picking disciples. Because Jesus is an accepted rabbi, which is a bit of a mystery because, yes, he's the carpenter from Nazareth, but somehow he's, he's, he's educationally already, already demonstrated himself that there's not a whole lot of debate in regards to um, his credentials. Uh, the only educational insight we have is Jesus at the age of 12. And where is he? He's in the temple. And the scholars are amazed at his questions and his answers. So Jesus is kind of already on the map to some regard, but has to step away. He has to be a carpenter, but he starts his ministry. So keep in mind when Jesus, as a rabbi, he's teaching the people. He's going around from town to town, going to synagogues, expounding was, on God's word. Was he a? He wasn't formally a rabbi, right? I think he 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 would he was in a he was a he was formally accepted as being a rabbi. Okay. Even by his critics, I mean they accused him of a lot of other things, um, but they would come like you would have you have all all kinds of examples where they would come and say teacher. Yeah. Like there, there would be an acknowledgement of, okay, intellectually, theologically, you're an equal. Um, and there would be a quizzing, right? Okay. Um, they hated him. But at the same time, there was, I think, a, at least a respect or the acknowledgement that he knew what he was talking about. Now, this is the thing I love about the way that the gospel narrative kind of opens up with that bigger context of what a disciple disciples, not just a student or a learner. There's a formal invitation agreement that's made between a rabbi and an individual. You're not just a student. You're, I am going to invest into you so that you can do what I do. Like that's the whole idea. I'm going to invest in you. I'm going to walk with you. You're going to walk with me. We're going to live together. This is an immersive experience so that you then can be a rabbi like me. And my school of thought, my way of doing things. 
Now, you, you get to like somebody like Peter, James, John, Matthew. When, we, when we're first introduced to them in the, in the gospel narrative, what, what are they doing? Fishing. Okay, why are they fishing? Because they're broke. No. Because <laughs> they were dumb. Well, because, because okay, well, they're, they're, they're fishermen. So James and John are fishermen because their father Zebedee was a fisherman. Peter and Andrew are fishermen because their father was a fisherman. M- meaning what? At some point in their educational development, they, couldn't they cut were anymore. rejects. They couldn't cut it. Like, like their hopes of any type of, like, theological training or significance. Like, hey, you're just a normal kid. You know, you, you might, it might be a, a bit overboard to call them stupid. But, but blue collar. But they were blue collar. I mean, it was like, hey, this is not. You're you can't cut higher learning, so go learn a trade, which means that 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 once they left the formal religious education, the chance of a rabbi of them ever being called to be a disciple of a rabbi is long gone. It's it's a non-starter. It's not going to happen. And so and so when Jesus comes to these men. And he, what, what does he do? He literally calls them, come and follow me. He uses rabbinical language. Come and follow me. It's the invitation of a rabbi for someone to become an official formal disciple, which is why they leave behind their careers. You know, Matthew leaves behind being a tax collector. They leave behind the fishing boats. The zealot leaves behind his zealotry, you know? What, what would you say to, would the rich young ruler, was that a formal invitation or was that just a... I think you could make the argument that it would that it would have been, because Jesus uses the rabbinical language. He says, "Hey, come sell all, come follow me," but he rejects it. I think he accepts it later because I think the rich young ruler is the apostle Paul. But that's a, 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 another topic for another day. Hot take. Um, so within the context, you get to that story. So so you have that passage pulled up. Mm-hmm. Just just read just read this the story. What. I'm assuming it's Matthew 14 that you were talking about. Where Jesus, it's where Peter gets out, right? Where Jesus walks on the water. But does Peter get out in that that instance? Yes. Okay, read that. Read read some of that. Just story. that passage. Yeah, just that passage. Uh, let's see. And Peter answered him, "Lord, if it is your if it is you, command me to come to you on the water." He said, "Come." So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. Okay. So what's what's amazing about the story? Is, is where in the world would Peter ever even get the idea of walking on the water? Like, I mean, like in, in what context are you, are you, Peter, thinking, yeah, you know what? I think I can do that. Like, there's really no context. Like, that is the most bizarre, like, we're familiar with the story. We just read through it. But it's really a, a, a bizarre instinct on the, the part of Peter to have even the thought, yeah, you know what I want to try right now? I want to get out of the boat and walk on water. I mean, he's doing it. Someone someone who is not on drugs would never do that. Would never do that. <laughs> unless, unless you take the concept of discipleship seriously. Absolutely. So, so Jesus is the rabbi. He has called Peter to be a disciple. Meaning he's told Peter, you can, I'm calling you to, to follow me and to do what I do. And so Peter is seeing his rabbi 
walking on water. Now, no, Peter doesn't just get out of the boat and walk. He's like, I need to make sure it's my rabbi first. And then he's like, command me to come out. Which again is significant. Like Peter's not just like presuming he can do this, but if his rabbi commands him to do it, that's the whole point of being a disciple. He's like, maybe, maybe part of this is walking on water. Now, it gets more real for Peter later on when he begins to realize that this would also include a cross and would include death and would include pain and suffering. But when we talk about discipleship, like you got to understand that there's not, I think some of the Christian way of, of seeing discipleship is, is a bit distorted from the, the greater context of like what that meant in its first century context, when it comes to discipleship, we're disciples of no man, but Jesus. Like that's, that's the concept of discipleship. Jesus has called each of us to what? To come follow him. We don't follow another man. We follow Jesus. Jesus is our rabbi and we're his disciple. And where he commands us to go, he equips us to do it. That where the world might have rejected us and where the world might have written us off, Jesus is like, no, you follow me. You can do what I do. And in fact, that, that's the accusation that we find in Antioch in the book of Acts where they were called what? As a derogatory term, little Christs, Christians. That's what Christian means, little Christ. Meaning what? They were emulating Christ. They were demonstrating that that's the goal of a disciple. That makes sense? So like mm-hmm. discipleship. I don't think is really like, and I guess the way that we talk about it or think about it in, in, in a Christian context, um, is different. Now you could apply like Paul, uh, Paul had no problems saying, imitate me as I imitate Christ. You know, Paul, Paul could say, do what I do as I'm seeking to do what Christ does. Um, was Timothy or Titus, were they disciples of, of Paul? I, I don't, I don't think so. He, he calls them brothers. You could argue that he argues directly against calling them disciples of Paul. I think it's one of Paul's letter where he says, don't be of Paul or In of first Corinthians. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the guys against sectarianism or sectarian yes. thought. Um, we follow Jesus. Now, I said I said all that to then like, okay, well, well, what are we talking about then? Um, you know, I, I would I would probably pull away from using the word disciple. Again, because I just I think that it already has a, a pretty defined meaning in scripture. So let's let's move away from that. But um, but there is there is an idea of mentorship within within the scriptures. Um, in fact, Paul would say, let the older men mentor the younger men, let the older women mentor younger women. I don't think the word was mentor, but uh, invest into or teach. Um, but there is this idea, Paul, no doubt, uh, played a significant role of influence in the lives of younger men uh, that followed his lead. Um, even even men that were his peers, such as Silas or Barnabas, Um you know, the Christian experience is, is never been designed to be done alone. 
Um, even even the basic con context of like first mentions of ministry, uh, Jesus sent out disciples two at a time. They were to do ministry together. They were never to be alone. Um, all of Paul's missionary journeys, he traveled with other people. At, at least a, one companion, more often than not, kind of a posse. Uh, these people, when you, you look at the scriptures, they lived life together. Um, and there was there was a hierarchy of influence. Um, so, again, I would adopt more of the idea of mentorship. I think that's a better branding to maybe what the question is trying to get to. Um, and I think it's always important for, for everyone to have two things in life. I think it's important to have a mentor. And I think it's important to men, to be a mentor. I think it's important for everybody, I think, in the Christian experience. There's always somebody a bit more seasoned, a little bit further down the journey than you, that's lived a little more life, that you can glean some insights from. And that, that you can um, lean upon and emulate um, the Lord has given me some wonderful men that I can look to when it comes to parenting. Hey, parenting, I've never done it before. You know, I, this is all new to me. Um, and, and I can't presume uh, to know what I'm doing because <laughs> I don't. And I can read the scriptures and I can understand the, the principles, but principles and practice is a different thing because it requires some wisdom. And sometimes it requires somebody saying, hey, man, I did it the wrong way. And let me tell you, let me tell you how. Um Again, it's, it's the old saying of standing on the shoulders of giants. It's like, hey, learn from my mistakes and grow from them. Um, I think it's always good for everyone to have people that they can look to. Um, to get guidance, to get counsel, to get advice, to emulate. And hopefully you can imitate them as they imitate Christ. And then on the flip side, I think just the way that there's this, this beautiful hierarchy in the family of Christ is that no matter where you are on the journey, guess what? There's somebody new. There's somebody behind you that also needs somebody to live life with and to help along the journey. Um, I think that there should always be somebody that we're looking to for inspiration and someone that we're always investing into. Um, and, and I think that that's this kind of this beautiful, beautiful context uh, within the family of Christ and how the, the body of Christ is best to operate. I've never been a big fan of accountability groups, accountability partners, uh, mainly because it's, it's, uh, it, <laughs> it breaks down the moment a person doesn't want to be accountable anymore, which is often the moment they need to be accountable, which means the whole thing's kind of built on the, on a, on a fallacy to a sense, to a sense. Um, if, if you're, if you're really being transparent and you're living life with brothers, accountability, I think is a natural byproduct. It's not the intended goal. Um, because the moment you no longer want to be accountable, guess what? You won't be the, the moment you're like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you what's going on. Well, I think that, I think if you, I guess it kind of leads into a question I have, and I, I don't remember if Robert's question covered this, but, uh, Finding that right person to mentor you, um, they're going to call out when you're not accountable. Because if you have that close relationship by choosing the right mentor. Again, again, I, I agree with you. My, my, the larger point is they can call you out. Right. If you don't want to be, if you've, the moment you make the decision. 
Right, and that, and, but that's what I'm saying. If, you, if you're choosing somebody to mentor you, then you've given them permission to do that in a sense. And I guess my question would be is how do you, as a young Christian, how do you find that mentor, that somebody that could, quote, Great unquote, question. Disi- disciple you? Great question. Um, first, you'll find them at church. So if you don't go to church, you'll never find them. That, that's the step one. Uh, you'll find them at church. Uh, you're not going to find them at the bar or the titty club unless that's the path you're going. You know, that, that is where they do their ministry. I'm just <laughs> but my point is like, if you want, if you want somebody that you can look up to and somebody that you can um, imitate and be a disciple of, uh, start at church. Find, like first go to church. You'll never find someone at church if you don't go to church. So if you're not going to church, uh, you'll never you'll never find that relationship. But if you're not going to church consistently, you'll never you'll never get to know enough people to find that person. And then even then, you can go to church. You need to go faithfully, and then often you need to plug in to some extent in order to really begin to see beyond the surface level one day a week view of, of a person. You, you got to get deeper into that person's life where you get invited over for dinner or to watch a ball game. And and then as you're hanging out with people, you're like, you know, I like, I really admire the way that this guy lives his life. How? Well, because you're close enough to his life to admire it. If you're not, then, then you'll never, you'll never find that person. Um, so I think proximity helps. I also think that it happens, um, generally speaking, organically. Um, in fact, I, I would, I would contend, um, that it works best if it's organic, if it's something that naturally happens. I think the hard part is about being the mentor is trying to then hold somebody accountable who's asked you to hold them accountable. And then it just kind of blows up in your face or they never talk to you again. I, th- I think that's the, I think that's the, the mistake so many people make. You should never, it's not you that needs to hold them accountable. God's going to do that. Well, and I, I think you need, I think if you're mentoring somebody, God's going to, if you, if you want to be mentored, mm-hmm. you want to be held accountable God's going to give opportunity for, for that to happen, whether you like it or not. So no, I, I mean, I do agree with you generally, but I mean, practically it's like, if someone's like, okay, I don't want to drink anymore, just as an example, or I don't want to do X anymore, fill in the blank. And they're like, please hold me accountable. And this goes back to the thing where, what you were saying, it's like, they'll be as, you know, they'll be accountable as long as they want to be accountable for. And that's the moment you know, that they decide not to is the moment that they really need it. But see, that's where, that's where I would really challenge. Um, and again, I, I, this is a little controversial. Um, and and I don't want, I don't want to, um, I think I might be able to split the hair. I don't want to piss on a good idea, but, but I, but I, but I do want, I even thought through how to say that. And there's, there's really, there really wasn't a better, better way to say it, but like, like if someone came to me and said, "Hey, uh, can you hold me accountable for X?" I'd probably say no. Mm-hmm. I'd say no. Like, 
we, we, we can live life together. And I, by all means, if I see you doing something that you shouldn't be doing as a friend, I'll, I'll call you, I'll call you out on it. But like, you only have one priest and that's Jesus. There's only one mediator. That's Jesus. Like, like I can't, I can't keep myself accountable yet alone carrying the responsibility of somebody else. I think that's what I was getting at. You see what I'm saying? That is like, it's not our responsibility to hold somebody accountable. I mean, we can't, it's like the blind leading the blind. It's not going to happen. And so, but I think when you build those relationships with the mentor, mentor, mentoree kind of thing, the discipleship uh, from what we're talking about, the, like you said, it naturally organically just happens. Yes. I remember. Uh, and that's the most real manifestation of right. it. I remember seeing this, uh, I think it's one of these TikTok videos I saw on Instagram because, you know, that's where adults watch them. Uh, <laughs> 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 it, was this, uh, it was this pastor and he was talking about uh, this non-Christian asking a question. He's like, can I still smoke weed and, and be a Christian or come to church and all this other stuff? Sure. Why not? And it, and it basically it boiled, he, he went through this whole list of, can I do this? Can I do that? And what it boiled down to is you become a Christian and Christ is going to change you to mold into what he wants. Therefore, that that's where that accountability, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. That it, Christ will mold you into him. You're Come disciple, as you are, but don't right, stay as you, you are. You're a disciple of Christ and he uses those older in the faith to help mold you towards that um, by being examples of that. Yeah, but that doesn't always work out. I mean, that goes back to a conversation we had a couple of weeks ago where it's like you have pastors who are preaching about stuff, which is like way off the mark. But I'm not talking about But that goes back to your, your individual responsibility. Your responsibility is to Christ and therefore being in the word, being able to know when that pastor is off the mark. But are they actual Christians? I mean, if they're preaching something that's not even really... not Not my responsibility. Yeah, see, I mean, getting back to kind of the essence of, of what we're discussing, you know, and I hope I hope we're not devo- like discrediting the question of discipleship by getting too deep into accountability. Just the two seem to always kind of come back together. Um, accountability, again, it, it, it's only... It completely depends on the individual that wants to be accountable. Um, and, and who are you being accountable to? You're not being accountable to me. I can't be your accountability partner. You're accountable to Jesus. Now, now I can I can be there as a friend to say, hey, you know, you're not you're not doing the right things here. Um, but I can only do that within the context of how much of your life you even let me see. So, so it, it's still it always like going back to what Justice said. It always does come back to the personal responsibility. Of like, I have, um, okay, all the, all the guys in this room, I consider you guys brothers. Um, am, am I your mentor? No. Uh, are, are, am, are we, dis, am I discipling you guys? No. Are we trying to live life together? Absolutely. And with doing that naturally and organically, um, does all the right things tend to happen? Sure. Like, I think there's a lot of fruit. We know, just from our friendship, just the, the organic nature of our friendship and relationship to the point that like, um, you know, you know, when, um, that stops the moment you leave, but it's a decision that you make, you know, and, and we've had, we've had 
many people over the years, part of the crew, part of the group, were they not being held to account? No, they decided they didn't want to be anymore, and they they left. They just broke the relationship. They broke. They stopped following. You know, so to me, it's like the blind leading blind. It's more of like like real discipleship is. Hey, we're all going to really stink at this, and we're going to trip and fall and fumble and flounder a lot. So let's just link arms together and kind of trip through this life together and try to hear well done, good and faithful servant at the end of the race. I think you see So um, real quick, because yeah. this fits in with a uh, comment or question from Karen, um, Justin's second favorite Karen. Um, she asked, what about Matthew 28, 19? Um, this is when you were saying that you don't think that the Bible says anything about make about discipleship. And so I pulled it up. Making disciples of the nations, baptizing them in Christ. Yeah. The great yes. commission. So, um, she's asking, what about that in terms of you saying that whose disciple are you making yours or Jesus's you, you, it's making disciples of the nation. It's making more disciples of Jesus. Yes. Not of yourself. I'm not making disciples of Zach. I can play a role in helping someone become a disciple of Jesus. And that might be a good, a good way of kind of qualifying things. Um, I think we see aspects of this in the relationship that the 12 disciples had. Like they, you don't really see, you had some of them that say, Oh, I'm Jesus's favorite. I'm the one Jesus loved. But like they were all focused on Jesus and they were living life with, with the focus on Jesus together. And so they had those accountability things. And that largely continued afterwards. Right. Like even after the resurrection, the institutions is like, you know, they, they all came together. Like and they that, stayed together. Like, Hey, we're going to trip through this together. And you, and you even see the ones that like walk away, Judas. I mean, right. Like you see that, that did nobody hold him accountable. No, the he decided did. to not be accountable. Right. What do you say? The rope, the rope <laughs> did. Oh, nice. I did. It's a bad joke. Uh, but on the flip side to it, you know, Peter, Peter failed just as epically. In fact, there's more written about Peter's failure than there was Judas's. The difference is that Peter, despite all of those things, still hung around. And I think you see that in, in, cause you don't hear any stories of not like Judas hung around. I yeah, saw where that was going, <laughs> but, um, but you, you don't see any of the other disciples like going after Peter for betraying them. Cause they right. had to have heard about it. And they were, because they were all kind of guilty at it. Right. They were like, well, I mean, who, who am I to blame Peter? I ran too, you know? Right. And but I, they all stayed stuck together. Right. Well, let's get, let's get, uh, let's get Derek or. That kind of goes back to your point, Justin, what you were talking about. If you think about the disciples themselves, like in following Jesus, it was still a daily choice to continue following him. There was no accountability aspect of it. Jesus laid down what it looked like to live like him and to be like him. So in being a disciple, we are to be like Jesus, but not in the accountability aspect. It's just a choice. It's a constant choice. Um, and yeah, when Jesus, when Judas switched up, he chose, I mean, there, Jesus wasn't sitting there. Hey, you guys, you listening to what you're saying? Or are you keeping your eyes accountable or are you doing what you need? He didn't have to check up on them. He just laid out what it meant to be like him. 
He preached the gospel and they chose to follow him. So in discipleship, when it comes into our lives, yes, we are the great commission is to go out and create disciples. And that's really to either through our lives in a reflection of the way that we live, because the Lord has given us this book to follow and to live out. We are to live it out. And through then, if we if there are people that want to come with us and then we quote unquote disciple them, it's really just teaching them exactly what the Lord has given us in this book to live out through. That's what discipleship is. Discipleship is just living out what the Lord has given us. And then the people around us, you grow Absolutely. To, to grow that family. So the discipleship is just living together through the Lord's word. It's not, I mean, the Great Commission is going out and creating disciples, but how do we do that? Through this. You know, I just, I'm going to come all the way back around. But what is discipleship? It's two disciples in a ship. <laughs> I mean, it really, it really is kind of, it's, it's, it's relevant to that because it's, it's, we're all disciples of Jesus and we're all in a, we're a group of disciples in the ship together. And there's a bond to that. There's nothing that should facilitate accountability. You've been given the word, do it. Yeah. And have brother and listen, and you can have brothers that, that, that love you enough to say, Hey, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. I don't think that that's accountability as much as it's it's just being a brother. Yeah, we're called to correction. We're called to call each other out. Like if we're living at this standard, like we're called to like, hey man, what's going on? And then if you don't go away from your ways that you're choosing to be in. We'll have to kick you out of the ship. Exactly. Yeah. I think even beyond that, God has provided a way to, to, you know, to hold your own accountability. His word says, my grace is sufficient. His word says, seek the kingdom and all these other things will be added to you. You know, that if you are being a disciple of Jesus, that is simply following Jesus. You know, he, he'll provide the strength, the means to to resist the devil and, and the temptation will flee to hold yourself accountable to his word. Um, the more you follow him. So what's your thoughts, Pope Creighton? Because, I mean, ultimately, we're all disciples of Pope Creighton. I want to be very clear. This is an honorary title <laughs> and nothing more. And nothing more. And if you say otherwise, you can uh, email popecrayton at gmail.com. Absolutely. So just making sure that we handle the question thoroughly. Um, were there any other components of that question? Because at yes, the end, there, there, was were. Some, there were a few other things. Yeah. So he had mentioned that people should basically, well, he's asking you how to be brave. And so I was actually going to ask you, you know, what is, you know, we can talk about it theoretically, what discipleship is, but what does that look like when you're, you have a coworker or a friend or somebody who, you know, from being a soccer coach, you know, (laughs) you know, basically when you're, when you see people and, you know, how does that interaction go? What does that look like? What are the steps to get so when you are trying to make a disciple of them? Exactly. So again, um, let's try to like <clears throat> pull away from the awkward language of making a disciple, or you know, just talk about like just being a friend. Mm-hmm. You know, just making a friend. Um, you know, I, I think you're a great example of this, Isaac. You know, just without without getting too much into to your backstory, um, you know, you and I've been talking about it quite a bit. That when you you moved here, uh, for various other reasons, uh, finding a good church was kind of an accident. It's kind of what happened. 
Yeah, and, absolutely. And then, and then finding a good church that had a group of guys and, and a community of people that you were able to connect with. And like, like I remember like you, you've been hanging out here on Wednesday nights with Outlaw Radio way before you were sitting in the fourth chair. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just, just the discussion of, Hey, you know, this is a totally unique thing. Like I've never really had anything like this, even within the Christian context. Um, and, and I, it was really, I kind of was taken up, taken back a little bit because this is just the norm, my normal life. Like I've been doing this for years. I couldn't imagine my life not being like this. Like when Jess and I got married, our house, we'd have 30 high schoolers and middle schoolers coming, coming through on a weekly basis. I mean, living life together with a group of people, you know, you look at the guys at Calvary 316. I mean, these are guys that I've been living life with. Like the, the closer, like the, the group of elders. These are guys that I've been with since 2005, 2004. You know, Chad, Andy. Um, and and we're disciples in a ship for the reason that we just stayed in the same ship together. Like we just, and as a result, you, you, you learn life. Um you get to, you, you, you can really read people. Um, Andy and Chad are two of my best friends and they know me very, very well. Um, they can call me out without even really knowing what's going on because again, you, you learn rhythm of, of people and you can see it in their face. You know, if, if somebody's carrying a burden or the struggle and when, and when you've lived life through, you know, one of your buddy's mom's mom dying or your buddy almost dying. And like you live a a lot of life, all of this stuff that we're describing happens naturally when you just stick it out and you just stay connected. Now with you, why were you able to tap in and access what you've come to find? Cause you were bold. Yeah. I mean, the more, the more I invested, the more I got out of it. And then the more that was invested and then the more you got out of it. And, but it took, it took a measure of, of, of you had to take a little initiation initiative, some initiative, um, initiation and initiative. Mm -hmm. Um, but like, but like, you know, I, I saw you told me, uh, you came up and you're like, Hey, I, you know, I'm not too bad of a drummer. If you guys ever need any help, that was bold on your part. That took a, a bit of a step of faith. And then it was like, well, send me a video. Let me see. And then I sent it to Aaron. I was like, hey, I think this guy can actually maybe play drums. We ought to, we ought to plug him in. And and then we get another drummer, so you can't play every week, but you enjoy hanging out. So it's like, hey, I know you can play electric guitar. And kind of, you've taken steps, but then we've pushed you, pushed back. Mm-hmm. And then just invited you to come hang out on a Wednesday. But but you have but you ended up You jumped in the boat. You jumped in the boat. Great way to say it. You jumped in the boat. I did. And 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 I think it's such a shame. And I've had people like they'll come to Calvary 316 and then they'll leave after a period of time and they're like, Well, I just didn't ha- I just didn't have any friends. And it's like you don't want to know why you didn't have any friends? Because you're not friendly. And, uh, you're pretty off putting and who would want to hang out with you? Like, you don't, it's not, it's not the Calvary. It's not the Calvary 316 crew's fault that you're the way that you are and that you don't have any friends. You didn't have any friends when you showed up and you don't have any friends now that you're leaving. You probably won't have any friends. Why? Cause you're not friendly. 
So don't blame them. Look in the look in, take your mirror, put your face in front of it, and see what the problem is. Or well, I think it's because you show up at ten thirty that you came yeah. up with. I mean, everybody has to like when you're in a boat, which you know, on the boats I've ever been in, been motor boats. But you know, when you're rowing, <laughs> well, I, I've been or in or big have you, rafts. Have you ever been in a canoe or a raft with, with somebody and? There's like one person that's not rowing in sync with everybody else or even rowing at all. It's hard. It's hard on the boat. And that person's not having any fun and no, neither is it anybody else. And you and, push them out. Right. <laughs> but, but I think you, you, you see aspects of that even with the early church in, in the Bible where, the, you know, they, they, they got together, they ate. And if nobody had enough food, they gave them, they, they shared their food yeah. with them. They, they were in the boat together and it wasn't that they were discipling them because they didn't have enough food. They just they were living life together as, as like a family. And you see that when you, when you travel the world and go to these, these other places, these other cultures, and but they're Christians, you jump into the boat with them. And, and just because they're part of this, the, their disciples, just as much as you are of Jesus, like your focus is on Jesus. It just kind of clicks. You know, I, I, I want to be a little sensitive to, to the people that, you know, might, might be like, Hey, I want all of that. But man, I'm, um, I have social anxiety. Um, I'm very introverted. I, I really, I have a hard time, um, doing that. And, um, first I think acknowledging that you have a hard time doing it is step one. Um, I think step two is, do you want to be, do you know, you, you have to make a choice. Like I am naturally an introvert. Like if I take all the personality profiles, and it's kind of crazy, but like the Myers Briggs, I, I show up as an introvert. Why? If 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 my natural environment, um, if I just want to just like where I want to gravitate to, I'd rather be sitting on my back deck by myself watching the Braves game alone, a hundred times out of a hundred, than be with a group of people. But that's not what God's called me to be. God's called me to be something more than my genetics, something more than my personality traits. And I want something more than that. And so I force myself to be something that I'm not because I'm born a sinner and broken. And there are parts of me that are broken. And I don't want to be hamstrung or limited by the parts of me that are broken. And so sometimes you got to say, hey, I'm introverted and I got social anxiety, but I need friends. I need them. Mm-hmm. And I'm never going to have them if, if I, if I, if I don't Lord, may your may I walk in your spirit and not my flesh and, and may you meet me in my weakness and, and just look for a, a simple thing. I promise you this. If you go to church, if you go to church and you go every week and you find some simple way to serve, whether it's ushering or helping out in the, the multimedia yeah, ministry, you don't want to talk to anybody, come run slides. Cause you don't have to talk to anybody. <laughs> Please. <laughs> but find, but listen, but my point, find, go to church, go to church every week. Find something simple you can do to serve. Offer to take the trash out. That has other people involved. Um, and, and if you do that, I promise you, just give it a little time and you're going to end up having some friends. A hundred percent. Spice Daddy is one of the most introverted socially awkward people I know. And I'm saying that as an absolute stone cold fact, I've known that I've known him for a long time. I'm not going to disagree with any of that. One of the most, when I first met Justin, one of the most painfully 
awkward people to hang out with, to be around. It's like talking was like pulling teeth. But you know what? He jumped in the ship. And you know what? He got more comfortable. And he opened up. And we got to know his personality. And now he's too comfortable. And now he's too comfortable, <laughs> which is why we move him to another chair. Right. So I'm, and I'm I consider, way less comfortable now. <laughs> and I consider and I consider Justin one of my best friends in the world. And at one point, I would invite Justin to come over to watch the ball game because he's my brother. And, um, man, we just sat there and it was quiet for hours. And I was okay with that. I don't, I, I don't remember that at all. It happened. <laughs> we watched the Braves win the World Series on my back deck. Because I was watching the Braves. I'm not going to talk about the Braves. Right, that's true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, over time, um, you create a friend. And more than that, a brother. Um, again, you get in the ship with somebody. Well, I'm the same way as you. Like, and, and having... Hate bringing this up because you guys make fun of me every time. But like, where I were mean, you in the world this time? No, well, <laughs> Which when I did was you get? in Lithuania, no, <laughs> I've never been there. I would like to go though. But uh, <laughs> having lived in other places, like, and I, I'm like super introverted, just like you. The I, Czech I rather, Republic. Some of my best times, some of my best times have been traveling to different countries by myself, not knowing the language, Google translating my way through through like a week of being in a foreign country. And I loved it because I didn't have to talk if I didn't want to because I couldn't half the time. And but like living in those other and countries, now he's on a podcast. Right? <laughs> living in other countries as like living in another country as a foreigner is hard to do in its own. But when you're a foreigner of the world because you're a Christian, it's even harder. And so what you tend to see when you go to these places and live in these places, the foreigners tend to they migrate to the people that they they had the same culture with. And, and you see that with Christians. So it's it's important to to find that culture that you're now part of. Like Jesus changes you to his his culture, his his likeness. And how are you supposed to grow in that if you're not around other people that have emulated that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a comment yeah, on the boldness at least. Yeah. Like firstly God doesn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Yes. And secondly, when there's an utterance of the spirit, it's usually subtle. It's something that requires boldness, but boldness or, or, or just courage or something like, Oh, should I really do that? Like, should I really, I feel this, I feel this is something that I do, but that's, it's a choice in that moment. The boldness, it's not like, how are we imparted with boldness? Okay. First, the Lord has given you a spirit of not fear, but a power, love, sound mind. So in that it's a choice to act out those pressings that you feel. It's a choice Mm. to go and talk to that person that you feel that the Lord's laid on your heart to go and pray with or just go and talk to or anything so in that the the boldness can come from the the lord's going to impart whatever he's going to impart to you after you choose to take the steps towards what you're being called to yeah when it what's his name is moses he wasn't good at speaking and he was like yeah so it's the same thing like his brother and by the end of it he's throwing down He's yelling at the he's calling you so. to do this. It's your choice whether you act it out or not. He's going to do it, whether it's through you or not. And, and, or he might do it then he might do it later, but if he's calling you to do something, just do it. It's not a matter of like, Oh, I'm not confident enough. I'm not full. Just do it. 
Yeah. And not not to plug Nike or anything, but that, that literally is like the, the Bible doesn't give it. He, we don't have a spirit of fear, but if we sit there and abide in it and think on it, we think on it too much. Like just walk sometimes. And then the Lord will just make things happen through that. He'll impart to you what you need to say. He'll impart to you what, what you need. Like if you're walking through the spirit in that, you'll be given the gifts that you need in that moment. Yeah. So on the topic of boldness, I think that was just my thought. I'll give I'll give a real a real practicum here uh, for the boldness question. You know, and, and in my mind, I just can't get away from the introvert that's hearing this and still struggling with like, how do I do this? You know, I, you got me. I I know I need to do it, etc. But how, just how do I do it? Um, again, with all the practical things already said, um, <laughs> come up with three good questions. You know, broad, but simple questions. And then look for an, an extroverted person at church and ask them those three questions. Because you know what extroverted people love to do? Talk. They love to talk, and they love to talk about themselves. So you can just, you don't even have to say anything. You're like, I just am freaked out about saying something, but I need to make a friend. So I'm just going to ask a couple questions and let them talk a lot. And I'll make a connection. Like just the practicals. Like lobbing a grenade into a room. You don't have to do much. You don't have to do much. Say, hey, what do you do for a living? Are you happily married? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, you can get them going for a while. So, you know, the funny thing about <laughs> Moses and Aaron is so Moses is like, God, I can't do it. I got to stutter. And God's like, all right, yeah, here's your, here's your brother, Aaron. And then moving forward, Aaron doesn't say anything. In the scriptures, right, and say. Moses says it all. Anyway. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. And by the end of, it, he's yelling at him, throwing down tablets. Right. <laughs> so, well, any 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 inter- interwebs? Any other uh, comments? We or have a few that were from uh, earlier. Yeah, just drop them in. Um, Rachel says hi, long friend of the show. Rachel, hi Rachel. We're hi, praying Rachel. for you. Um, Cecil says, is that the Rachel? I think yes, it is. Uh, if you're still watching, we're 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 praying. So I, I know you know, I, I know when we're praying. Yes. Cecil says, uh, hello, and thank you for all you do. Sorry. Um, and then uh, my mother, when we were talking about uh, discipleship, said that Jesus says, follow me, the simplest invitation with eternal implications that far exceed the cost of obedience. Trust, obey, no other way. There you go. Um, and I know my mom's the best, just... Everyone else is playing for second place. I have the best mom. I feel like she kind um, of failed you in the Christmas spirit department. Yeah, that's not her fault. That's a work in progress. Or it's just the choice. general personality department. <laughs> also, well, that one might be her fault. My or personality is just department. my mother with my dad's sarcasm. So anyway, yeah, true. Uh, Karen, once again, Justin's second favorite Karen, um, said, repent and follow. T-shirt. You should make her a t-shirt. <laughs> she said, repent and follow. When people ask if they can still sin and be a Christian, are they really wanting to live as a follower? Which I think was in a response to what you were saying about the guy who said, yeah, come to, oh. come on, bring whatever you got. Come that on. And I think the point of that episode. is come on, bring whatever you got, because one of two things will happen. Either God will make you drop the things that you're doing, or you're going to drop God. Like one of those things, two things will happen real mm-hmm. fast. Outlaw radio after hours. <laughs> you're just wanting to hold on to the things that you know aren't glorifying the Lord, but still like, okay, well, the Bible says doesn't say that I can't do this. So how much can I get away with? Like, it goes uh, back okay, to that no, classic excuse, I need to fix up my life before becoming yeah, a Christian. Yeah. I'm like, nah, he wants Don't you as you are, that. bro. He's going to change yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Come on, one of two things will drop. 
and, and that's and that's how that's how a church is the easiest way for a church to uh you know you want a good ship you know that people can get on board and you want to keep the wrong people from getting on board so if you teach the bible and you present the truth unapologetically teach, teach through the book of so- uh, song of solomon teach through song of solomon <laughs> Uh, I'm just saying, like, if you, if you, you know, we've never, the addition and subtraction concept of, of Calvary 316, we've never really had to worry about because, um, I mean, you're either going to come and grow or you're going to leave because we teach the Bible. And this is only one of two options. You can't, you can't sit there and be stagnant. You're either going to hate it and leave, or you're going to sit there and grow. It's, 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 and as a result, you make sure that the ship really has the the cool disciples in it. So Aaron, you got any, any passing thoughts here? Um, you know, just kind of on that last point, um, everything's permissible. Not everything is beneficial. Mm-hmm. Um, follow, follow Jesus. Amen. Amen. We good. Good. All right. I'm going to roll us some music here. Oh, actually, before I do that, you want to, uh, let everyone know of the, 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 one of the first of hopefully many. Yes, we put out our first short today. So it is on YouTube shorts. It's out in the world. Um, if you Google it and watch it, give us a thumbs up. I say Google it. If you search it, you can find it. If it just comes up in your feed, watch it. Uh, give it a thumbs up. Send it to your friends. Um, we're trying to do some stuff, and I'm just slow on the uptake with media because I'm old. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thank you so much for watching the Outlaw Radio Show. Uh, if you like what you've been watching, check out the podcast. Uh, Google, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, really wherever you get uh, your podcasting. If you're listening to the podcast, check us out Wednesday nights on uh, the live stream at 8 p.m. Once again, my name is Zach Adams. Hope you join us this time next week. Get listening.